Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're chatting with Katie Orr. She's a pastor's wife and author of a new Bible study series, and today we're going to be talking about Bible study for busy moms, because motherhood is busy and it is so hard to find the time to go as deep as we want to into Scripture. And Katie's going to share her journey and some of her tips and ideas for how to get that time in the Word back into our schedules. But before we jump into our conversation with Katie today, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Now, Plan to Eat is an online menu planning site, and it makes recipe management, menu planning, and shopping list making a breeze. I've been using them for probably about four years now, and I absolutely love it. I can sit in my parking lot at the grocery store and make a menu plan for the week in literally just a few minutes. And then it automatically creates and organizes my shopping list for me. Can we just say a little amen there? Um, Plan to Eat is offering a free 30-day trial for you. So just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and give them a try. Now let's jump into our conversation today with Katie Orr. Hey, Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's an honor. I'm excited to be here. Now, you and I have known each other for years and years and years, but some of the people listening may not have encountered your awesomeness. I would love for you to just (laughs) tell us a little bit about you and your family and what you do. Okay. Well, um, I am Katie. And as you mentioned, I'm a pastor's wife. We've been married almost 13 years. Currently live in Kentucky. We've lived in three or four different states. I can't remember anymore. And um, I actually grew up in California, which is not one of those states. And so I um, have traveled a lot and I enjoy seeing all the different cultures and within our American culture. Um, And we have three kids. They are 10, 8, and almost 6. And so it's been a fun stage of life. I feel like we're just getting out of the, you know, I don't know what the, you know, like the, the crazy age. The, yes. The crazy <laughs> and the very dependent and needy and, and they're still needy in different ways, but, um, I'm really enjoying this stage a little bit more than the baby stage. Um, I think there's something great about each stage, but it's been fun, um, to just kind of hang out with my kids a bit mm-hmm. more and, um, just enjoy doing things together. So that's been fun. I love it. So you're a pastor's wife. So that means that you have probably never, ever struggled with finding time to study the Bible because you're a pastor's wife. So it just is like, you know, you wake up and a a beam of sunlight shines on you and you just sit and study for hours. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, definitely not. Um, Yeah. I think that that certainly I know something I thought 
before I was a pastor's wife, you know, that I made a lot of assumptions about the wives of pastors in my life, but, um, that is certainly not the case. Um, it's been a journey and, um, but I think it's been a fun journey. And I definitely think that this is something that God has put on, on my life, regardless pastor's wife or not, just to help, um, first myself and then my children and then women get into the Bible and learn how to study it. So, so it's certainly been a journey. When your kids were little, um, cause they're all really pretty close together. Mm-hmm. Um, actually they're really symmetrical, aren't they? Is that the right word? They're they all- are. This was not, we are not planners, you know, <laughs> in any, you know, we're like, Oop, time to have a baby, but December. all of my kids are 28 months apart. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it just happened that way. We weren't, you know, trying to, I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> it is, they are. So every, every four months we have a birthday. Wow. So, so that um, means that there was a season of your life when you just had you know, people attached to you, you know, every which way, and you probably didn't get a whole lot of sleep at night. Um, (laughs) how, what was your Bible study time like before you had kids? And then when you entered that challenging season, how was it impacted? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say it was even impacted once I first got married. You know, I was 24 when I got married. So not, you know, like, in my thirties old, but it felt old at the time. Um, you know, so many people were getting married right out of college or even in, you know, right out of high school. And so I had a, you know, a couple of years of being single and really enjoying that time and, um, had just great deep times with the Lord. I've just, I, I've always enjoyed Bible study since God really moved in my life in high school. And so it, I would, you know, go to Starbucks and have this great deep time. I was also on staff at Campus Crusade. So I got to teach a lot of Bible study. And so I felt like I was in the word a lot and and really enjoyed that. Um, Had learned a lot of different, what we call inductive Bible study methods and just enjoyed colored pencils and (laughs) spreadsheets and, you know, just really diving deep into the Bible. Um, and then I got married and in some ways it changed even then because suddenly I'm not the only factor in my life. You know, there's this other person that for lack of a better word, gets in a way, gets in the way. And that was my flesh saying, Oh, what? Leave me alone. I'm doing my thing. And I think that came in sometimes with my Bible study too, is I wanted to just hide away and be by myself. And suddenly there's, you know, another person involved in that. And then, yes, then here three kids come along and really it felt like Bible study went out the window. Um, and I think there was a lot of, a a lot of feelings of guilt with that. And a lot of, I felt very distant from God, not because he had moved, but because I suddenly didn't know how to connect with him because my primary way for connecting with him was through the word, which was not necessarily a bad thing, but I think I really neglected things like prayer and um, just meditating on scripture and not feeling like I had to have a pencil in hand, um, lots of different things. So that's just kind of scratches the surface mm-hmm. <laughs> of, um, that transition. So I wanted to, to back up for, for one second. What, tell me what an inductive Bible study method is. Yes. Okay. So an inductive Bible study method is, is when we go to the Bible to hear what the Bible has to say to us instead of saying, I want to, and there's nothing wrong with the other approach of, but I want to learn more about prayer. So I'm going to go to the Bible and look up, you know, 
what the Bible has to say about prayer, or I want to specifically know in this situation what the Bible has to say. And that that's not a, a bad thing to do, but inductively means we're going to study it, you know, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and not skip any pages. Look at it as the whole council of scripture and um, go to it that way and really peel back the layers instead of just reading it once and then trying to decide, okay, that's what it means and then move on. We're going to keep digging down without an agenda, without a, I want to try to figure this out. We're just going to go to the word and allow it to allow God to speak to us through the Bible and doing that by using some, some tools to study it uh, a little more intentionally instead of haphazardly. Now, if I'm coming to the faith um, somewhere along my motherhood journey, maybe it's because one of my kids got involved in a VBS uh, and I visited the church and I heard about Jesus. And so I'm brand new. That sounds kind of that sounds kind of intimidating. Um, is that something that you I mean, obviously, you did that before you had kids. Mm-hmm. How did you keep that going um, once you had them? And then I'll, then I'll ask the next question after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes that's a stream of questions. Well, and I think something that I, I, um, okay, I found my, this was not necessarily uh, specific to motherhood, but I think a lot of women, if you've been in the church, you know, at least a year or so, um, certainly if you've been in the church for more than, more than those years that I, I found myself kind of as a Bible study junkie. And and what I mean by that is that I, if I was in a small group in a Bible study, you know, a lot of churches have different workbook studies that you can sign up for that are amazing. And you have this great experience of this accountability and just really enjoying this workbook that tells you where to go and, and what to look up. And if you didn't figure it out, you know, they're going to have the answer there for you. And it was so good. Like, I I mean, so many of those studies were life changing for me, but then I walked away from that study and there might not be another group for two months. And then I didn't do much. I I didn't know what to do. And this was me early on in my walk with the Lord. I didn't know what to do. And so I just would kind of flounder and, maybe kind of open the Bible and go, okay, I'm going to read a Psalm today, which is great. And God it spoke so many times to me through that. Um, but it felt very um, haphazard. It, mm-hmm. it, it it wasn't with intentionality and with any sort of a plan. And I guess I never realized that you could have a plan or that you should have a plan, you know, and certainly any time and any time that we spend in God's word will be fruitful. I fully believe that. And I, I see God really leading me even in those days where I felt wandering, you know, there was purpose in that. So, you know, it's just kind of this, okay, here's a Bible study at church. Oh, good. I'm going to do that. And then two months goes by and I, you know, open my Bibles two or three times. And then another Bible study comes and I'm in it just about every day. And it's so good. And I grow and I love it. And I want more of that. But then I've got to wait till the next Bible study shows up at church. And so the idea of, of inductive study and having a plan even was really transformational for me. It was like this, this is light bulb. It was really just God saying, hey, why don't you have a plan? <laughs> I mean, it was really like him telling me that. And I thought, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to start at Genesis. And I'm going to study through however long it takes me. And I got a, a Bible study by Kay Arthur. It's called think it's teach me your ways. Um, but it, 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 it was the first inductive study that I'd ever done. I didn't know that I was picking it when I, you know, that it was inductive, but we literally went from Genesis one all the way through the first five books of the Bible. And it was such a great 
uh, time of just sometimes I felt like I got in really deep and sometimes I just, you know, kind of stayed on the surface a little bit, but, but kind of going through that, not just reading, but using some of these tools to kind of get into it. It was very eye opening, especially for someone who grew up in Christian school, knew all of the, the stories I knew about Abraham and I knew about Noah and I'd heard about all these different Bible characters, but I didn't know how they were related to one another, that many of them were like fathers or grandfathers of the other or how it's all really one big story of God's people and how it's one big story of what God's doing. Um, I'd never seen that before until I read through and studied through verse by verse those things. And it sounds very academic and it sounds very overwhelming, but it really wasn't. This was, I was in college when I, when this happened and I was just starting to walk with the Lord. And when I finished that, I said, you know, I'm going to keep going. And so it's, it's a, it's a default is what it is. So that when I'm not in a Bible study, then I come back to that. And, and I haven't finished that. That started back in 1999 and I'm on Acts now. So whenever I get to a place where I'm not in a Bible study, I'm not studying something specific. I go back to that and I go back to Acts. I love that because, you know, oftentimes, at least I know at my church, Bible studies are the hardest thing for a mom to do because Mm -hmm. she has to get childcare if they don't provide Mm -hmm. childcare. And then what if one of her kids gets sick? Then she has to stay home. Then she has to miss a week. And then she feels behind and disconnected. And then maybe she just doesn't even go back. And Mm -hmm. so... Those are rejuvenating and life-giving to be in that sort of community uh, of a Bible study. But I love this, that since 1999, you've been going book by book through the scripture. And and really, what a legacy to leave as well. I'm sure you have pages of notes. um, And I just think that's, that's just a beautiful thing. And I love how moms could you know, be a part of those Bible studies, do all that sort of stuff. But then, you know, as, as, you know, if they want to go deeper, if they want to have that thing, that default, like you said, they can go book by book through the scriptures and, and, and study them. I, I just love that. So you did all this before you had kids. How yes, did- and I will, I will do a caveat with that. Mm-hmm. I think that was ambitious as a you know 20-year-old to say, I'm going to study the whole Bible. <laughs> right. You know, and it doesn't have to be that big of a book. It can be, I want to study the book of Matthew, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to have a timetable on it. I'm just going to take my time. And maybe I'll start with reading the whole, maybe I'll just read Matthew and then I'm going to go back so I can get a big picture. I think it's so helpful in Bible study, regardless of our season of life, to have two things going on. One is bird's eye view. You know, that's where good reading plans are, are great things to do. Read through the Bible in a year, read through the Bible in three years. It does not matter how fast you go through it, but have something where you're looking at the big picture of the story, the bird's eye view. But then we also need to get into the bug's life, you know, where mm-hmm. we were, because from, from the bird's eye view, you don't see all of the details in the grass and the worms crawling around there. And, you know, they have to get down closer even to, to, to get the food that they need. And so we need to get into the bug's life and see the details in the dirt and feel it with our hands and dig a little bit and try to find some treasures. And I think we need to do both, maybe not always at the same time, but over a month, over two months, certainly over the last year, you know, to look at, have I been in the bug's life all the time and I need to get a big picture view or have I just been a big picture view and never really dug deep? Uh, I think we need both of those there. So I think we can take something like Matthew and say, I'm just going to read through Matthew however long it takes me. 
And then when I'm done reading Matthew, I'm going to go back to the beginning of Matthew and I'm going to study it verse by verse. And I'm going to look at what's even just asking good questions, like just like what's true about God. You could just totally read Matthew and only answer the question, what is true about God in Matthew? What do I learn about the spirit of God? What do I learn about Jesus Christ? And that's it. That's inductive study. You're asking the question to just see what's there. And then there's so many truths that will come off the page when you're looking at it that way. And that might take you six months. Yeah, but it's something that you can always go back to in between those studies or whatever you're doing, um, but that you can go deep all along the way. And because it's linear, it's it's so much easier to jump back into. And it makes sense because you've been journeying and marinating in that passage for a while. So if it's something that you did before you had kids, then you got married, kids came along. (laughs) How did you find the brain space and power to continue that process? For a long time, I didn't. It was very hard because I felt like I think there's there's, you know, we're all busy moms. We're all tired moms. And so there's probably two camps of each of us moms. We're either busy, tired, overwhelmed moms that have the tools and know what to do. And then there's busy, overwhelmed, tired moms that don't have the tools and don't know what to do. But we're both paralyzed because Mm -hmm. we're busy and we're tired and we're overwhelmed. And um, I know that you know, I I believe the evil one likes to get into our minds and try to say things, um, you know, that just guilt and, uh, condemnation and, and really, um, for me, that's, that's what happened a lot. And it actually kept me from studying the Bible because even though I was tired and overwhelmed and had little brain space, I did have time. I could have made time. You know, I spent time on Facebook. I spent time hanging out with friends. I had time to spend time in the Bible, but I didn't do it because I felt like I couldn't do it right. Mm -hmm. And it really kept me from, from doing that for years. I mean, I I would, you know, and I step, I still kept, cause I'm that type a do good person. So I still kept trying, but it wasn't very fruitful because of my mindset. And so it really wasn't until I started um, realizing one that I need help (laughs) that even though I'm a, you know, teach a teacher of Bible studies. And even though I've taught other people how to study their Bible, I discipled a lot of women when I was on staff at Campus Crusade, teaching them how to study the Bible. And suddenly here I am overwhelmed in the throes of motherhood and I'm not doing what I had been taught. There was a lot of, just a lot of guilt, I guess, and, and just feeling paralyzed. And so I think it was, I don't remember a specific moment, but I do remember one morning where you know, I kept trying to get up and I kept trying because that's the answer, right? You know, I can't do this when the toddler's pulling at me and I can't do it at night because I fall asleep. So I need to get up in the morning. That's what I felt like a good person does or something. I don't know. And I would get up for two, three days and just kind of peter out. And that's where Hello Mornings was such a, a game changer for me was having that accountability of a group that didn't necessarily have to be in real life. And this camaraderie of getting up for my life, as you say. Um, and that was really life changing. And then I think that through, that's where I felt like I started getting momentum as a mother, um, towards more consistent Bible study. Um, and I think too, also something I had to let go of was that it needed to be every day and then it needed to be an hour long. Mm. For whatever reason, I think that was just in my head because Mm -hmm. that's what had been before. And I would get out a lot on Saturdays and just have a date with God and spend two, three hours. And I'd do other things, other life-giving things too, but just not be around the kids, (laughs) 
do whatever it was that I felt like I needed to do to recharge. And that typically involved studying the scriptures in the way that I enjoyed. Um, and so I think that's for every mom. Sometimes we need to let go of that expectation of it should look this way, mm-hmm. that it should be every morning at five o'clock and an hour until six o'clock. And then the kids wake up and everybody's happy. And that makes me a good Christian. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if anyone else thinks that. But I think oh, those yeah. thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so we want to check up all really, the boxes. Yeah. And I think once I really let go of that and I realized that I'm not having consistent quiet times like I want to, but I want to. God's still working in me. I want I longed for the word more than I did before. And I think for those of us that are, you know, in that place where it's, there's just season, some seasons of life that are busy and could we be better with our time? Absolutely. There's always room for improvement, but the fact that it bothers us that we're not in the word should encourage us. I love, I think I've heard you say before that there's a lot of power when we want to want to. Yes. Yeah. There and is, I think yeah. that's so true. And even just the, the prayer of waking up and being like, Lord, I want to want to be in the word right now. Mm-hmm. Will you help me make a way and find the time today? Um, so you go through this journey and are able to get back into the word consistently. And along the way, you realize that this is a struggle for all moms. Yes. And all moms want to, you know, we we still have brains. We didn't lose them anywhere <laughs> along the way. And we want to stretch them and we want to grow them. We want to think deeply. We want to study and learn and know but we can't always squeeze the tools that we used prior to having kids mm-hmm. into the season that we're in right now. And so in this journey, you came up with a method that allows you to go deep in how many minutes a day? As little as 15 minutes. <laughs> I love it. So tell us a little bit about it. It's called the Focused 15 Method. Yes. So uh, it's really something that's been at least five years old. It was not called the Focus 15 Method. Uh, when I first started using it, but I think really even a decade ago, you know, when I was in the throes of having three kind of going, okay, I've got all these tools. I mean, I I know a bazillion ways to get into the Bible, but they all take time or I can't do all of them. So what are, what are the things that I most enjoy and what are the things that I feel like most bang for my buck? Um, and started using those as I like to think of Bible study as like, putting on inductive Bible study is putting on a different pair of glasses. So we read just like when we did hit, or at least I did history homework, <laughs> um, in, in, a, in really a heart of shortcutting, um, in high school, it'd be like, the question would be, tell me about Henry, the navigator or something, you know, and I was supposed to read the chapter and then answer these questions about Henry, the navigator. And, I would go, I actually wouldn't read the whole chapter, but that's just me <laughs> trying to, uh, I hope, your, I hope your high school history teacher. I know my high school history teacher. Yeah. So I wouldn't read the whole chapter, but what I would do is I would put on the glasses of Henry, the navigator. And all I was looking for was that word, Henry and the <laughs> and navigator, right? Anybody else do this? Okay. So I would read Henry. No, just skim it looking for Henry, the navigator. And then once I found Henry, the navigator, it was like, Oh, okay. Okay. I got to read this paragraph and I would read it. And I would learn something about Henry and Navigator, but maybe it wasn't the answer to the question. So I keep going. Um, and I, similarly, in a much different heart, we can study <laughs> we can study the Bible the same way, in that we could read, you know, three or four verses just to read it and just to enjoy it. 
then we can read it with a different pair of glasses. You know, I'm just going to look for what is true about God in this passage and read it again, looking for that with a highlighter or underline or a pad of paper, or just if you don't even have any of that, and all you have is five minutes without the kids screaming, and you don't have a pen or paper, it's okay. Read the verses and then go, okay, what does this teach me about God? And read it again and just soak it in. And so that's that's really what the focus method is, is putting on a different pair of glasses. And instead of um, trying to get through a bunch of verses over you know, a short amount of time, I take a few verses and go over a longer period of time. So in each of the studies that I've written for this, we do it in a week's time, in five days. So I guess it's not a week, but it's a mom's week, right? right, right. <laughs> that gives us two extra days to catch up what we need to, or we've got church and we may have something going on with that. And so, um, so we will take, you know, anywhere from three to 10 verses or so, maybe it just depends on the passage and we read it and do something different on each day. And that's the focus acronym. So the F is foundation. And I like, it's just a, it's a first read. It's a, I know that you really enjoy writing out scripture. That's a great mm-hmm. foundation work because it, it slows you down and you get to enjoy each word. Like that is such a great Bible study tool is just to write out the verse. And it's fun to look back on. And it also <coughs> is, does, if you are a morning person or you want to study the word in the morning, it is a great way to wake up. Just the process of having to think and write and then the actual movement of writing, I don't know, it, it, it wakes me up really well and helps me just be more mentally alert. And one thing I just wanted to pop in and say is that what I like about this is that it reminds me of when I took my kids, I think it was to the Smithsonian. I'm, I'm trying to remember. It was some museum. It was some kind of grown-up museum, which would typically <laughs> be a little bit boring for kids. But uh-huh. they had this map where you have to find these secret things and they had to look around to see if they could find the little secret things. I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, I think it was like little flags or something anyway. And so this place that just was maybe a little bit above their heads or something that they might not normally be interested in because they had that specific thing to look for, man, they were on a mission. They loved that place. They have fond memory. I don't think it was the Smithsonian now that I'm looking back at it because that was actually a very fun place. It was some random museum along one of our vacation drives. So, um, but you know, like you're saying it put on those glasses. So if you're new to Bible study, if, um, you know, you just don't feel very awake in the morning, having that simple focus can make it so much more engaging. Yeah. Than just kind of staring at the page. Analogy, or not analogy. That story. I love that story because I think it's it's very applicable to the Bible. Because I think the Bible can. I mean, the Bible intimidates me. You know, I've been studying it for decades, but it still intimidates me. And um, you know, I've not been to seminary, so it intimidates me. You know, (laughs) Um, but there's so much to be seen, and we can either err on the side of I'm intimidated, and I feel like I can't do this. so I'm not going to do it. Or I'm going to do this and I got to do it thoroughly. I got to find everything. And we can't find everything. Like God's word is inexhaustible. They're, the truths are, I don't believe they change. I don't believe that, you know, that it's going to change tomorrow, but there's so many layers that, that we don't always see the first time that we go to it. And so I love that. There's that excitement that your kids had to finding just one little thing and not mm-hmm. trying to take everything in because it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So you gave us the F for foundation. Yes. Take us through yes. the other four. 
Okay. O is for observation. And that's when we, we've talked a little bit about this already, where we just ask ourselves good questions. Like what is true about God? That is probably the hands down number one best question to ask when you are reading the Bible is what does this teach me about God? Because what we believe about God is the most important thing that we believe. And if our view of God is off, our attitudes and actions are going to follow. And so that's our observation is to ask questions like, what is true about God? Or you could get more specific if you're in the Gospels. You can say, what is true about Jesus? Uh, You can ask about the characters if it's a narrative story like Jonah or the Gospels or an Acts where you're learning about the people. Then you can say, what's true about Paul or what's true about Jonah? Um, You can also look at... um, promises if we see something that if you did if you do this then this will happen or a promise like I will never leave you nor forsake you there's no if then there you know it's not a if this it's just you know I guess if you're in Christ then I will never leave you or forsake you that is a promise that we can hold on to and the promises in scripture are very very helpful and I think it sounds kind of heady, like, oh, look for promises, but they're much easier to find than we realize when we're just looking for them. Like, what is true in this passage that I can hold on to? That's what a promise is. Um, Even the fact that God is faithful um, Mm -hmm. or God is my provider, that was a a truth about God, but it's also a promise that I I have a God who loves me and he is faithful and he will provide for me. So, and then we can also look at commands. Those are probably the easiest thing that most people tend to find right away is what's, what is it telling me to do or not do? What attitudes or actions can I adopt or put off? Um, If we're looking at people like Jonah, for example, we can look at what attitudes and actions did Jonah make that I can learn from and either do or not do. Uh, follow his example. You know, you could study the Psalms and study David and learn truths about David and then look at it and go, okay, what attitudes, what was a heart attitude of David here that I can, um, that I can emulate that was a godly trait. So that's observation. You could make up your own questions too. If you're like one of my studies is on first Corinthians 13. And so it's a pretty obvious question is what is true about love? You know, that's the love chapter. It's teaching all about what does love mean? What does biblical love mean? So we ask the question, what is true about love? Um, the next day is clarification. And that's when we start looking at individual words and trying to clarify the meaning. And there's two ways to do this. The easy kind of beginner version is get out Webster's Dictionary and look it up. Um, there's a lot of big words in the Bible that we don't tend to use in everyday life. So, um, you know, just hop on a dictionary app or Google it and, and see um, see what that would clarify what that word means. If you couldn't use it in a sentence or you, if somebody asked you to define it and you couldn't do that, um, then kind of the more uh, I wouldn't say it's advanced because I do think beginners in Bible study can do this nowadays because there's so many great free online tools to do this and some really great apps is to look up the original words um, in the original language. Uh, I didn't, I don't know, I guess I just didn't think about it, but I didn't realize it growing up in Christian school that the Bible is not written in English, (laughs) you know? I remember remember having that same realization somewhere along the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. That the men that wrote it down, that the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible through were not English-speaking people. So they've had to be translated. And just as in any story, any any translation, 
there you've got a person trying to figure out and try to flesh out the meaning of this word. And there might be four or five different ways to say the same thing. Um, so when we go back to the original word, word and we understand it in the context of the writer and what he meant by that word, we can learn a lot just by looking up the Greek and Hebrew. And I have a lot of resources on my website, videos that you can watch, different places that I point you to. It's really as easy as looking up something in the dictionary, especially it's just a learning curve. You know, we got to get it out of our mind that oh, I can't do this. I'm not in seminary. Can you give can us? Get, oh, sorry. Yeah. What? Can you give us the link to that resources page? So even while they're listening, they might be able yes, to go. Yes. Katieor.me. So K-A-T-I-E-O-R-R dot me, M-E backslash resources. And there are several squares there you can look for. One is a videos tab that'll take you to my YouTube page with different Bible study tools. Look for something like how to look up a Greek word in the Bible hub, or there's several different things on there. Okay. So then summation is the S one. What does that mean? Uh, you, we skipped you. So you is you. utilization. Oh, sorry. And that, yeah, that's okay. So <laughs> you, you is utilization, and that is when we do cross-referencing. So if you have a study Bible, not all Bibles have this. If you've got a smaller Bible that's just for reading, um, it's not going to have these numbers in there. But sometimes if you've noticed in one of those maybe bigger Bibles, they have these little bitty letters. You know, it'll say like, Jesus went to, I don't know. I don't know. I would try to come up with it examples, but you know, next to Jesus, it might have this little bitty B teeny tiny subscript or priest. I don't know. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah. Thank you. The little thing, uh, the little teeny letter. And that is telling you, Hey, there's somewhere else in the Bible that talks about this situation or this word or this person. Um, and you can look that up in your in a physical bible it's usually going to be in the margins towards the middle of the bible or maybe on the bottom of the bible uh, of the page and you can look that up and it'll tell you you know genesis 22 5 or and leviticus 20 or romans three sixteen or something and so you can go look those up and try to see what do those verses have to say about what this verse is tell, talking about i like to think of it that like chasing the rabbit trails, you know, mm-hmm. but they're all connected somehow. It's, it's the Bible is, is really one big story. And when we start rem- remembering that there is nothing random in the Bible and that it's all there for a purpose. And this is probably whatever we're reading, whatever truth that we're seeing is probably not the only place in the Bible that it's talked about. And so if we can go over here to see what John has to say about it and over here to see what James has to say about it, and back in the Old Testament, to see what those writers had to say about it, it really gives us a bigger picture of what this verse is, what what its original intention, um, what the meaning is. And then the last day is S, summation. And that's when we start looking at, okay, so what? <laughs> and I'm so guilty of this that I, you know, I just, I, I love studying and it's so much fun. And then I like close the journal and put it on my shelf and go on with my day. And it's so easy to, even if we haven't studied for hours, but have encountered God's word, even in five minutes. And we see that, you know, the verse that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And we can go, Oh, that's nice. I'm going to put that in a little Instagram quote and, and, you know, post it. And then 
but we don't really let it penetrate our hearts. And if we really let the truth that God will never leave me or forsake me penetrate my heart, that's going to change my actions. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to be in despair because I messed up. Like I can be upset and I should be repentant that I yelled at my kids again today, but I don't have to worry about God leaving me because I messed up again. Mm -hmm. He will never Mm -hmm. leave me or forsake me. And to know that, you know, that my sins have been removed from me as far as the East is from the West, that when Jesus died on the cross for me, that my sin of yelling at my kids that I did this morning, it was on the cross and it's paid for. And I don't want to do it again because I don't want to make Christ's sacrifice for me uh, for nothing. But even when I mess up again, there's grace, there's mercy again and again and again, because God will never leave me or forsake me. And so that's what summation is all about, is looking at what have I learned today and how should that affect my life? So people walk through this process over the, they ask one question a day, right? Um, I love that because it allows you to really, not trying to be punny, but it allows you to really focus. (laughs) Instead of, because I feel like so many Bible studies that I've done, I am just hopping around um, from and turning pages and, and, and from scripture to scripture. And I love the idea that I can just sit and kind of marinate in one concept. Um, so these are, I love this, this Bible study format. Um, people are probably like, okay, this sounds really cool. I'm not going to remember all that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so you have actually recently released uh, a few Bible studies, um, that, that are available, I think anywhere books are sold, right? I just like saying that phrase. Yes. Yes. Um, and tell us a little bit about those. Um, well, I, I think that over the years of writing Bible studies, and I've, I've wrote some different ones with Laura Williams before these three came out, um, and I've I've realized that even well, yes, it's hard to remember all of that, you know. So we need we need some structure here. But even if we did know all those, like like when I was that busy mom, that I knew all the Bible study tools in the world, but I just was paralyzed with what to do. That. Women, we like to be told what to do, you know, and we like to be said, okay, this is, this is where you're going to go today. So this kind of gives you your default for a time until you can kind of get your feet, you know, on, on a, on a a good foundation and then move ahead. The heart behind these studies is really that not that you, I mean, I hope that you'll continue to do them because obviously I've poured my heart and soul into these um, for a reason, because I want women to experience the word. But my hope really is that once you've gone through two or three of them, especially that you don't need them anymore, that you could go and open the Bible anywhere and study it on your own. I love that. You're uh, what's that phrase about um, you can give a man a fish or you can mm-hmm. teach. I totally butchered that quote. Or you can <laughs> teach him to fish, fish, yeah. That's you exactly- know, yeah. That one, that real yeah. eloquent one. And that's yeah. exactly what you're doing with these studies, which is so powerful because, you know, we go on vacation, we move, we lose books. There are all sorts of situations. And so the less dependent we are on a certain group at church or, I mean, in yeah, on a certain thing or on a, a certain resource, the more likely we are to get off track. And all those things are great and we need to embrace and use all of them and they're wonderful and they can help us. But I love this idea of just internalizing uh, the ability to study scripture mm-hmm. on our own. 
and to feel like we can do this on our own because it just makes the scriptures come alive at a whole new level for us. Well, and another feature of the studies is I certainly, you know, we just went through that method really quickly. And if, if you are practiced at Bible study, you could probably just take the method and go do it. And I hope you do. And I actually have a free bookmark on my website um, that you can find from the printables tab on my resource page that I just talked about. If you click on printables, you'll find a c- couple printables. And one of them is a bookmark that you could print out. And so you could today just go start doing that method. And again, the five days is only a suggestion too. You could do focus in one sitting. You could take one verse and focus on it and then be done, you know, and then go to the next verse the next day. It's really just a starting point for you to do what you enjoy in Bible study. But the studies give more specific questions. It's not as open-ended. So I'll tell you, hey, go look up this Greek word. And then I think this is a favorite with a lot of people that have done these studies is I have what I call cheat sheets. So at the end of each day, I have, I don't want to call them the answers, but I'll put what my observations were, you know, what I saw that was true about God in that passage. And what I learned when I looked up that Greek word, what stood out to me. So I think I, that was another trap that I got in with Bible studies is I felt paralyzed because I felt like I was going to give the wrong answer and somebody somehow was going to read my study and figure it out and give me an F. I mean, so stupid, <laughs> but that's how I felt. And so that's something that I put in the studies because I want you to keep going. I don't want you to be paralyzed with feeling like I don't know how to do this. Well, I love that. Katie, um, can you tell us the names of the studies and where people can find you online? Yes, the names of the studies are Everyday Faith, Everyday Hope, and Everyday Love. They are each four-week standalone studies, so they are certainly related in that they are all focused 15 studies, but they you don't have to do them in any sort of order, and they each focus on a you know just at least one passage or either two or three passages. So Everyday Love is 1 Corinthians 13. We study the whole chapter, which is 13, 13 verses. Over the four weeks, Everyday Faith is um, through Hebrews 11, looking at the hall of faith of all the men and women that God said were, um, were have been said to be faithful. So what was the common denominator in all those people and their faith? And then Everyday Hope is a little bit different, uses the focus method, but we look at three different passages and look at what does the Bible have to say about the hope that we have in Christ. It's really a study of the gospel. And these, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say you can learn more about the method and where to find each of those studies at focused15.com. 15 is the number, one five. And, you know, if you really think about 15 minutes, that is, you know, sitting in a carpool line. That is sitting at gymnastics while your kids have their lessons. That's sitting at the table while your children eat breakfast. Um, mm-hmm. It could be just a little portion of nap time, the few first few minutes of the morning or the first few minutes after your kids go to bed. I mean, we can fit that in so many places in our day. Mm-hmm. And for the mom listening that might feel a little overwhelmed by the idea, I love that there's a resource they can go grab and learn how to study the Bible on their own in a guided way. So, um Katie, I am so thankful for you for what you've taught me about studying the Bible and for these resources that I know that the moms listening will be able to get so much benefit from. And I'm thankful that you'll be able to be on the podcast today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I just am honored to call you friend. And I love to see what God is doing through you 
through Inspired Action and Hello Mornings in this podcast. So it's an honor. Well, for those of you listening, my challenge to you today to kind of round out, you've been inspired by Katie and by her passion for the word and the wisdom that she shared. And my challenge for you is to set aside those 15 minutes sometime today and dive into the scripture. Use one of the things that you learned from Katie today to look at scripture with a new lens, with new glasses on. And um, I'm so thankful for each of you listening, and I can't wait to share the next episode with you. Katie, thank you so much, and I'll be talking to you soon. Great. Thanks, Kat. Bye. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. Gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet news.